Hi, everyone. Welcome to the MBA Insider Podcast. I am your host, Al D, and the author of MBA Insider. This podcast is for career-driven professionals looking for advice on how to grow their careers by leveraging the skills, experiences, and knowledge gained from an MBA degree. In each episode, I'll give you a look into the business school experience, along with practical tips, career advice, and real-life stories to help professionals grow their careers. Welcome back. Uh, today, I'm excited because I have one of my very good friends and my classmates from UNC Keenan Flagler Business School, Carrie Wrigley, here with me. Carrie and I graduated together uh, and spent a lot of time together in business school. And I'm excited because we've stayed in touch uh, ever since we both graduated, what seems like many years ago. And I've seen her journey and her life after business school and her life after the MBA. And she's always been someone who I've talked to and gone to for advice or just conversation about this whole notion of life after business school and what life is like after you graduate and after you get your MBA. And she has also got a great journey as well. So I'm excited to talk to her a little bit more about it and to get her thoughts on her own journey, her reflections, and what she's also excited about moving forward. So with that, Carrie, thank you for being here. And thank you for always being supportive of whatever endeavor I am working on. But let's start with graduation. So let's go back to May 2015. We're walking across the stage, getting our diplomas from Dr. B and Dean Shackelford. Take me through where you were. What was your mindset? What were you thinking? Yeah. Walk me through what that was like for you. Sure. First off, thanks so much for having me, Al. It's always wonderful to catch up both formally and informally. And you've been such a critical partner for me in, in, in navigating life after business school. So I really appreciate the opportunity to talk with you on the topic. When I think back to graduation, I think what's so interesting, I'm curious how you feel about this, with going full-time is that it's both a blessing and a curse that it's truly a bubble. It's wonderful in that it's a fully um, immersive experience where you can be fully present within your classes and with your classmates and limit outside distractions of potentially the demands of having a, a full-time job. But I think also the idea that it's a bubble makes it even more of a transition phase to go back to the real world, air quotes, if you will. And what does that look like? Just even from the one, the demands of a full-time job and leaving a good impression, but also just the change in lifestyle of being behind a computer or being more in formal meetings and a setting. So I think that to me, it was super exciting to re it was a restart of this next career chapter, but it also came with fear of what this transition could look like. And so it was certainly both a lot of mixed emotions on that day. Well, how do you, how did you feel? What do you remember? No, I agree. I think you definitely are on the the nose with that description in terms of there is always, whenever you're making a change, the concern about what's to come. And so that's definitely real. I do agree that for many of the reasons that you listed, the reason why be, uh, business school can be great because of the bubble is also the thing that can make the transition difficult, particularly if you're not thinking about what uh, they are thinking about the fact that because you're moving back into something else, like it is going to be different again. So I, I definitely agree. I agree with that. It's one of those things that what makes it great is also what makes it challenging in some ways. And I also, I also think that, and I've thought about this a lot since then, I think about the transition you have to make when you're going to business school in the first place, and particularly early on, how challenging the first mod or the first two quarters or the first semester can be. 
it's like that, but it'll in reverse yeah. the other way. Yeah, it's, so it's the biggest switch. <laughs> exactly. Back and forth. Yes. Yeah. So you're going back. And I think for what was unique for us is that arguably we quote unquote had it easier because we went back to work. We both went back to work to, to places that were familiar, at least somewhat familiar to us. Sure. And, and thing at least, you know, maybe looked a little different. We had more responsibility. In my case, it was in a different office. We had a little bit of familiarity versus of other classmates of ours and other Absolutely. a lot of other people who are doing other things. But yeah, I know I agree with you. And I think to something that you said, you talked a little bit about going back into the workplace, going back and you know, the expectations of a job. But yeah, talk to me a little bit about what was it like to go back into the the workplace after you had been on in that MBA environment where you did have that bubble, where you did have the things that you were used to do for doing for 18 to 24 months, but then certainly getting back into the workplace. What was that like? Yeah. So I think for me, I was never someone, I definitely take credit and stock through the value of my MBA. And I, and it is a big part of who I am and from a credentialing perspective, but I was not somebody who was like, now that I have an MBA, I'm I have this badge that's going to make me automatically successful in coming back. So there was definitely elements of, of the imposter syndrome, even after this experience of getting my MBA that felt even returning to a job that I knew. For context for the listeners, I was in federal consulting before business school and then commercial consulting outside after business school. So while there was the threat of the same company, it was, there was elements of newness. And I think we all, I know I've talked to you before about that imposter syndrome, Alex, and starting in a new chapter and wanting to, you know, the desire to leave a mark right away. Some advice that I think you continue to, you give me and that I try to emulate from you is take stock in who you are and reflect on your strength. It's, and you're such a champion for self-reflection and knowing your strengths. That's something that when I look back on starting the new job, I wish I had done to say, what am I bringing to the table here? It's not just the degree, but it's how I grew as a person through that. And I think the reminding of taking stock in my strengths and what I gained from the experience um, would have positioned me better for success and to lead with confidence in that regard. Because I'll be honest, I have the memory of imposter syndrome. And I think there's some levers that I could have done differently from your advice to, to have mitigated that. Sure. It's funny that you bring up imposter syndrome. I knew it was going to come up at some point in this podcast, not because <laughs> of this podcast, but because it comes up pretty much in every podcast that I do yep. in some capacity. And it is just so unique and fascinating to me of how often it comes up in so many different contexts. And and I totally understand. And again, it's so funny because part of the reason why you were at Keenan Flag, where part of the reason why you got sponsored by a consulting firm is because of your capabilities and your competencies. But yet, and same with in my case too, so not a knock on you, but yet we still feel this notion of in a moment or two of feeling inadequate or that we don't measure up or that for whatever reason that we don't uh, have what it takes to be seen as successful or to achieve something which clearly, um, objectively, empirical evidence would suggest that we do. And right. so I don't true. know, I don't know if, if you've ever gotten to a point where you've figured out what is driving that, or if you've thought about what is the thing that's in your, that, that is in the voice in your head that is tripping that up or like bubbling that up and, and raising that for you. Has that, is that something you've ever figured out or ever thought about? Or is that just me that I just think about those things? <laughs> no, no, I have thought about it. But honestly, you're giving me good, like good homework, if you will. I, it's something that I need to explore further. Fair. I, honestly, in response to the question, it's funny that I'm going to give back advice that you received. I think it was maybe it was good advice from a family member around 
understanding other people's strengths. Like when you see strengths in others, sometimes I think for me, it internalizes imposter syndrome, but for you, you gave the advice that means there's something you can learn from them. Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, I think for me, it's seeing so many strengths in others and not necessarily seeing them in myself, but channeling that differently. And I think that's the advice that, you know, that you're, you shared with me once is channel it in a positive way that you have these things to learn from somebody as opposed to saying that you're not at their level. So it's, these conversations are always a good reminder to me to go back on, on that advice and lessons. Yeah, no, I thank you for bringing that my attention. That's those from my dad. And it was, it's a good, it's a good piece of advice. And I think part of that is a mindset shift and a perspective yeah. shift. And, and in my case, he gave that advice to me when I was uh, in middle school. And for me, I think the most valuable piece of it was in that particularly that stage of my life, there was so much that I just couldn't see because I just didn't have that perspective because when you're young, you don't know anything. And so him being able to say that really flipped the switch. But I, I think it's absolutely, I think it's absolutely sound advice. One thing I wanted to go back to just because it is something that I love asking about just because if you think about going, in, a lot of times we think about business school as being fun and I don't want to call it a two-year vacation. You have a lot of fun moments, right? I would be curious to know when you graduated, were you sad? Were you happy? Were you content? Were you like, oh my gosh, like I'm done with college. I'm done with business school. Like I'm never going to be able to go to college again. Like what did you feel like you were? Yeah. Like how did you feel about, because at the end of the day, you only get one business school. So yes. how did, like, were you, what did you feel like when you finished? For me personally, I had, I was sad, but not with sadness to want to extend it or continue it, but with sadness and with great appreciation for the experience yeah. and a readiness to close this chapter and move on to the next one and test mm -hmm. everything that I learned and, and apply it in the real world and honestly make a paycheck. Uh, sure, was a big of course. Part of it too. And almost there's an element, I think, of business school where it was so special for what it was, the travel, the relationships, just the college elements, the living close to your peers. But there is an element where I was ready to adult again, make a paycheck have yeah. life look a little different. Uh, so I think while I would never, I never took the experience for granted. It was an amazing two years. It was exactly what I hoped for it, but I was ready for the transition. And my heart breaks for all the students who had to be remote as part of their experience, because the two years for me was the perfect amount of time for that, for me personally. So it, I feel my heart breaks for the students who were planning to go full-time and that was cut short for that reason. Mm -hmm. What do you think? Yeah. How did you feel on that day? Yeah, I think the word that I described to people to articulate how I felt is the word content. And it does encapsulate some of the feelings that you mentioned. In my book, NBA Insider, the last thing I write about is this idea, again, a lesson from my dad. It's just this notion of leaving it all out there. And so I, the analogy I use is on the basketball court when I was growing up, he was my coach. He used to always tell me, at the end of the game, if you feel like you left it all out there, like you really gave it your all, then it doesn't matter what happens in terms of the outcome. But if you didn't feel like you did that, well, then that's something where you can improve on next time. And more than anyone about what my schedule looked like in business school, and I know what your schedule looked like. Objectively, we left it all out there. It really, yeah. I, I'm sure if I thought hard, I could think of maybe the one thing that for some reason I didn't get to do. But I truly felt that I was able to get to do all the things that I really wanted to do and to do them with people like yourself and others. And yeah, I was sad to leave the people behind. I was sad to leave Chapel Hill in my $500 a month <laughs> rent apartment. But I really did feel content knowing that I thought I had really made the most of the experience. And to your point, it was a great two years and sad to leave it behind, but content in knowing that 
there wasn't much else I could have done. And so yeah. I would love to relive the glory days as much as everyone else to that degree. But I truly did feel like I, I had exhausted everything. Yeah, that's well said. And almost as you got what you came there for in a way, right. Um, right. which is great to have that perspective of going in what you wanted to get out of it. So you could be tactical sure. about that. But yeah, I feel like I, I got what I came there for. And it was, it was, it was a great two years for that reason. For sure. For sure. So getting back into the post MBA life. So you're back in consulting, you're back in a job, you're earning a paycheck. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more about what were some of the exciting aspects and you know, also talk a little about what was hard or what was challenging about that. Yeah, I would have to say the exciting aspects for me were that, you know, as I made the transition back to consulting, and I was pretty tactical about wanting to enter commercial consulting with a specific focus on hospitality and industry that I was passionate about, and I was able to do that. So for me, that was just um, fantastic to have to work. I think for me, I look at jobs as you want to have some connection point to something you're interested, whether it's the type of work, whether it's the industry, whether it's the team, there's got to be something that like fuels you every day. You want every single one of those things. But if you just have one, that's great. So for me to work in in hospitality was super exciting and to be embarking on a new chapter there. I think some of the the things that were um, challenging about it, maybe we're working through the lows and the resilience. Sometimes when you graduate and you start a new chapter with an MBA, I think there's everybody has rose-colored glasses on. This is going to be the start of the rest of my life. And while that was true and there was a lot of excitement that surrounded that, when let's just say I was on the road week after week for travel, or if there was a, if I met bumped heads with a coworker, there were lows that sometimes I think force you to question your decisions. And for me, I think what I learned in those first few years is to try to take learnings from that or to power through them, that you have a vision you want. For me, I wanted everything to be perfect, but but being resilient through the lows and using mentorship to, to guide me through the lows. And uh, I'd probably say another challenge was just around, I think it's on a similar thread of because of the travel was more challenging than I expected when I was traveling for a while, navigating through that to say, okay, okay, maybe this part isn't exactly what I thought, but what do I do about that? And that was working with mentors to get advice too about how to just continually moving the marker to refine the experience. I'd say it was coupled with excitement, but also just trying to figure out when something wasn't right. Like, all right, what do I do about this now? This isn't what I thought it was. Yeah. And on that, just to drill down into those, what you're just talking about, because I I agree with you and I think that makes sense. But when you're in those challenging moments, yes, it's to keep going. But what does that actually look like? Because I, I get it. But like how, uh, if it were easy, if it were that easy, Perfect. right, when we wouldn't be having this conversation. But what does that actually what did that actually look like for you? What was either what did you have to do? What was the soft self talk in your head? Like, how did you how did you work through that? Because I don't think what you experienced is uh, singular to you. I think it's something that everyone else does. And so I would just be curious to know how you were able to navigate and manage through that. Yeah. So I think, I think I gotta be honest and say that I didn't play my cards exactly right in those situations. And I think it could be, I'll use two examples of either one project that I was, I was struggling with, or let's just say the travel was getting to me. I think sometimes when you're new in a job, or at least for me, I felt I had to solve all those problems on my own. Like I got to make the most of this project. I can't be the person that's the complainer or the travel super hard. Like maybe consulting's not right for me. And I think I looked at that. I needed to solve a lot of these challenges myself. And in hindsight, I wish that I engaged mentors earlier in how I was feeling. I think my lesson learned is it's okay to 
it's okay to have grievances at the right level, perhaps, or if you're seeking constructive criticism or constructive uh, feedback for it. I never wanted to be a complainer. And I think I channeled, I channeled some of that negative energy too long, which made me then prompt my next career change and think about leaving consulting to, to the next chapter when I wonder if I had sought out feedback and constructive conversations about how to manage the things that I didn't like, if I could have maybe set myself up for success better, or maybe it would have chartered a new path that I don't even know about today. Yeah, I think that's a good point. And I think one of the things that I often think about is a paradox between two competing viewpoints. I, and to your point, I think there's one competing viewpoint to what you're articulating of being able to pay attention to when something isn't feeling right or something is feeling out of whack. And then the other competing viewpoint is just this notion of being able to work through something, right? And to keep yeah. going. And I think what's hard sometimes is to be able to make space for both thoughts while you're going through a particularly hard thing. And depending on what it is, like there's probably a time when you need to lean more into this is not working. I need to get out or need to find another solution. And then there are other times when you maybe need to say, hold on a second, let's hold space for this and let's work through this. And I think that I don't know the playbook for how to navigate that. I think it's more art than that it is science. I would wish I could say that I was better at it than I am. But I also think that's just more of a reflection of just the realities of life. Life is yeah. much more about the gray maybe than maybe than the black and white. Right. I would agree. Like in, and in the gray, I, I think back to that time I say, I, I set up great mentors. I found great mentors. Why was I afraid to be honest with them about my challenges? Because they right. maybe could have helped me. They maybe could have had great advice that would have chartered a new path or offered a new perspective. And so I think there's an element when we transition out of business school to be a good soldier like and, and, yeah. and make the biggest impact you can and don't show if you're struggling for right. me at least I didn't want to show that I, I was too afraid of showing that this maybe wasn't the right place or the right choice when it, it definitely was and it would have been perfectly fine for me to, to to rely on my mentors in those challenging times when things weren't you know unfolding exactly how I expected I think that's a really good point and one of the things I've often thought about is sometimes the narratives that we hold true or the narratives that we tell ourselves. And I think if we think about business school, for rightfully or wrongfully, the narrative a lot of times that we tell ourselves as MBA students and as MBA alum is that you go there, you work hard for two years, you figure out what it is you want to do and you pivot to that new thing or you accelerate in the path to where you want to go next and you graduate and then you go off and you're off to the races. And whenever something happens that maybe perhaps uh, goes against that yeah. narrative that you've taught yourself, You, I think a natural kind of reaction is to think that something's wrong. And so the two things are, number one, the narratives that maybe we tell ourselves maybe, may or may not be as true as we, we think that they are, right? Maybe there's fault in them. But number two, the re, when something, a uh, reaction to the narrative, if the narrative is false, if the narrative is wrong, the reaction to that narrative that we have could also maybe be wrong. Like, right. you know, maybe it was, ne may maybe not only was the narrative false, but like maybe was that reaction to it false too. And that's something that I've thought about a little bit since I've graduated, because I've had this conversation before with so many other people to what you were just saying. I thought I needed to be feeling this, or I thought I needed right. to be feeling that. Well, then it's like, what if you weren't supposed to be feeling that? Like, what if mm -hmm. that was the false, what if that was the false lie or not lie, no. but like thought. Sure. 
And I wonder if it's also one thing I was curious if we would discuss, is it because of the pressure we put on ourselves for that first job that causes us to say, I put so much thought into this, that stepping stone of the MBA program Mm -hmm. for this first job that I can't allow myself to question or to feel any type of negative feelings towards this because of the amount of pressure that we put on that first chapter. And my biggest lesson learned in hindsight is it wasn't just about one chapter. It was about the next chapter after that, the next chapter after that, but, and the moment, it was really hard to see that ranks it in the imperfections of that first chapter. I think that's such a great point. And I think it's two things. Number one, I think it's what you said in terms of the, the, the pressure that maybe we put on ourselves. But I also think it probably, and, and that pressure, by the way, that didn't start in business school. Like the reason why you're in business school, the reason why you got to PwC, same with me and Deloitte is because quite frankly, that pressure has always been there. It's, it's, and not to pat ourselves on the back, but like generally speaking, I think it's probably true for anyone who's getting into a top MBA program, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, part of the reason why you've probably been at least a part of the reason why you've been successful is because of a driving force. And sometimes that is maybe perhaps insecurity. So I think that's part of it. I think the other part of it And uh, this is where honestly, sometimes I even doing uh, these podcasts or even as a someone who works in the career space, I often have to be careful. We're very good at playing Monday morning quarterback and re-architecting the narrative of our stories of how we move from place to place. And if you think about going back to business school, when you start doing like your resume walk, right? It's like you have to connect the dots in a way that makes sense to the recruiter. And that's fine for the purposes of it. But I think that gets so ingrained sometimes into our way of thinking and way of operating. And to the points that we just made, we all know that the the life is more in the gray. Like it doesn't like it's not like a graph that it's not a business school graph that hockey stick graph that goes like up into the right yeah. all the time. And I also think too, it's funny because I do remember people saying this to us in, in business school, but perhaps we're just too not too in the weeds to notice it. Yeah. But the the notion of hey everyone, like you should really focus on getting this job, but also know that there's plenty of people or there's gonna be a good portion of your class at the two year mark after business school who moves on to a new job or a new career. Like it's, it's just going to happen. And I do remember hearing that and being like, yeah, I I could see how that makes sense, but it just didn't necessarily feel real. Yeah. And then certainly now, but certainly now, like you and I both, I I remember I I probably texted you. I know I texted some of our other friends, like when our first classmate left, maybe, oh my God. But, and so I I do think that they, there are some schools that where they do try to tell you that, but I guess we're just too in the weeds to really pay attention or maybe too, too just lasered into what's going on to really be able to make sense of something like that. Because I know at least when I work with students, what I always tell them is, look, the for 99.5% of you, the next job you take is not going to be the last one. And so everything you learn about career development and business school is going to go with you forever and ever. And I really try to hammer home that message because to what you said, it's going to be normal if you in a couple of years want to change industries or want to change functions or roles or what have you. I completely agree. I don't, I remember hearing it and I don't know why my natural reaction was like, that's not me. And that's not everybody else. (laughs) Everybody's really finding the next biggest thing. And I'm the first person to say I've had many, I've had more chapters than I ever expected since business school, but why I didn't, that was my headline here. thinking about life after business school is like that same message, but I don't really know why, maybe to your point, it's because we're so in the weeds. Why is it so hard to accept in the moment? Or why did I not think that was me? I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Let's uh, let's actually talk about that. 
for a second. What what is something that you wish you knew about life after business school now that you've lived through it for a few years and now that you have the benefit of hindsight? Yeah, I think the biggest thing for me, in addition to what we just talked about, that it's not a ladder, it's not a hockey stick, there are twists and turns. The second thing is probably the importance of self-reflection. And I think, Ali, you've really led the way in this of looking like reflecting on yourself and seeing how that could, you've you've talked previously about how that segued your transition to product marketing in the sense of like, you reflect on what you're good at, you reflect what makes you happy. And then that charts the course. I think that I wish I had done more self-reflection and I wish I continued to do more self reflection. It's a New Year's resolution for me, if you will, that I need to self-reflect to find my the right career opportunities for me. And I would that's really what I'm striving for going forward. And, and what I would encourage others to do is to not look at the menu or a cookie cutter, but really reflect on who you are as a person. What are your strengths and what makes you happy? And try to sit in the moment and picture yourself in that job and say, would this make me happy as an individual? Not what I think it would make somebody else happy. And I could do that too but what would make me as an individual happy? And I think that I wish, I think we do a lot of exercises that force self-reflection in business school, but for some reason, I think there's more to be done in just sitting with your thoughts and being self-critical about what makes you happy personally and professionally and and then try to cultivate that. Yeah, and I'd be curious to know from your end, what, because you're right, there are exercises to be done from my experience, it's not a one and done. It's more of a journey, but short of just telling someone go self-reflect, like what, what else did you do? Or like, how did, again, like, how did that play out for you outside of just me being like, Carrie, go do this. It'll help you. I think it caused me making a mistake to realize the appreciation of it, or I saw you doing it, but I didn't know I had to do it. And I'll be honest with, uh, with all your listeners to say that it took me choosing a wrong job to realize how important self-reflection was. So for example, I left PwC in 2018, at the end of 2018, after three years, after business school, and I took a job with AARP, which was a nonprofit. And I told myself at the time, after three years of consulting, I really wanted to enter the nonprofit space. And being in DC, it's the largest nonprofit. I can make a mark here. And quickly into that chapter, I realized the culture, the pace, the career opportunities, I glazed over those factors as I was interviewing to say, is this the right fit? Really self-reflect as to what I strive off of. And I hate to say it, I'm not proud that I only stayed there for three months, but I do feel I need to be transparent and honest that it took me making a mistake to realize how critically important it is when I know we go into interviews and we try to get as much out of it, but I don't know if I was listening when I was asking questions about my next job. I think I was asking them because I thought the right thing to do in interviews was to ask questions. And I wasn't really listening and connecting it back to who I was as a person. So it took me making a wrong move to realize the importance of self-reflection. And that's what springboarded me to join Marriott as in their, as a uh, senior director in their consulting practice to be like, I got to get more closely aligned to my values career-wise. But unfortunately it took a wrong turn to, to really appreciate that. I think, I think that's, I think, first of all, thank you for sharing that and for your vulnerability and your honesty. And I think that's sometimes experience period is always a great teacher, right? For better or worse. Again, going with a theme here, drilling down for a second, what was it like to be in a job and to go to it every day for those three months? What was it like on an average day to go to work and do the things and have that notion and that nagging of, is this right for me? Or did I make the wrong decision? What did that feel like or look like for you? 
Um, I guess it wasn't that long before I realized this wasn't the for me long term. And I use that as a springboard to just say similar, don't force it. Like it almost ties back to what we said earlier. Allow yourself to, to feel the negative, to feel the, okay, this doesn't feel right. Be in that moment and then find ways to correct it. So I think for me, it was about being honest with myself and using it as a springboard to my next opportunity and just taking stock in the fact that I made a mistake and being honest with the leadership that I was working with there and committing to not doing that again. So for me, I think that was key. I'm curious though, when we think about self-reflection, I know you've done it, but how do you make, for me, I feel like you do it so automatically and you're so in tune to it, but I'd love to hear your perspective as well as to, to how you chat, you know, channel your own self-reflection into your career choices. Yeah, it's, it's a really good question. I think part of it is part of my just general disposition and personality. And so I'm fortunate in that regard, I would say. I think another aspect of it is that I have been through 10 years of Jesuit education. And so this, the notion of reflection and intentionality is just a bedrock of a Jesuit education. And so from a very young age, it was just hammered into me. One of the very first things you learn if you go to a Jesuit school is the th- the three B's, be attentive, be reflective, and be loving. Oh, wow. And so the, those that. are things that just have always been a part of who I am. That said, I still definitely get it wrong or not get it wrong. I still definitely have periods where I it's not there, or I definitely still have periods where I have to wake up and remember to make space to do it. And I, I think there's a couple things that sometimes bring me back to center. So number one, I think oh, I, it was interesting. I was listening to a podcast and and someone was saying like, pay attention to your body because your body, body doesn't lie. If I'm ever having... St- some kind of health issue, that's always at least a starting point or a point where I need to ask myself what's going on, even just starting with that question. And that usually is enough to start asking me, leading to me to ask other questions. I think the body is an amazing thing. And I think sometimes it knows itself better than we are know ourselves. And so that's absolutely something that I, I pay attention to. I think number two, a part of it is also just surrounding myself with people, uh, who, Maybe not so much make me reflect, but surrounding myself with people who encourage me uh, to be who I am and to lean into the things that I do. And not a lot of times it will mean that they encourage me to do it, but a lot of times it's really just them getting me to 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 go back to being who I am. And and again, as I said before, because it is ingrained in me, I, I eventually come back to it. But the third is to what you were saying. Because I have been through business school and other things, I do have a series of exercises that I always have in the back corner. Certainly also doing this work that I do, it also just naturally leads to a lot of thoughts and ideas and conversations. So that certainly helps as well. But I think the first two things in terms of listening to your body and then surrounding yourself by people that continue to push you to think and challenge yourself, I think that is something that that definitely helps. And then I think what also finally helps is just I have a pretty clear purpose of who I am and the person I want to be. And so if I, because I have that, it it gives you a good kind of mile marker, if you will, are you tracking, right? And if you are great, uh, but if you're not, that's always a good chance for you to think about, okay, what would it look like if I were to get back on track or how could I do this in a different or better way? But that's what's, that's what's worked for me. But I would so say- Like a uh, North Star, like, yeah, you know, I would agree. Like, yeah. Keep you centered, yeah. yeah. It does, it does. And that's hard, right? And I think it's easy to tell people to, to find a North Star. It, it's like one of those things, simple but not easy. It's a simple concept, but it's, sometimes, it, it, it's a journey to sometimes figure out. It doesn't necessarily come naturally 
or right away for all of us. And I think, and even now, I'm definitely, particularly because we're doing this like right in the beginning of the year, like I definitely spent some time over the holidays reflecting in terms of what are my goals? Where am I trying to go? What are my values and those types of things? And I got there, but it wasn't like the first shot, like I had all the answers. Like, no, like it it, it took me a bunch of conversations with myself or um, and with some other people to like eventually get to a point. But I think what's ingrained in me and why I always eventually get there is just the the pursuit of it is something that I've always been after. So yeah. that helps, but not everyone's wired that way though. I think it's almost just to connect everything we talked about. It's like, because we have an appreciation for the fact that it's not a ladder or hockey stick and there are twists and turns, navigating those twists and turns require a greater sense of self than I, I ever expected. So mm-hmm. I needed to realize one, okay, it's not a ladder. Okay. Oh, Oh, wow. Knowing what I want to be able to figure out the twists and turns, hugely important. And I definitely underestimated that. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of twists and turns, so you, the job of the nonprofit didn't work out. You eventually you know, pivoted to something else. Can you talk about that process of unwinding from the nonprofit and then the next twist and turn that you had to make? Yeah. So it is so interesting how I think career search is definitely X percent, mostly majority intention and some luck. And I do have to say, I was very lucky to have an opportunity to join Marriott as a senior director within their consulting practice, which at the time I think would have, I would have told you that's my dream job. So when I did to be able to use the the nonprofit and springboard to get back on track, I would just say that was, that was huge in my career. And I think that we need to remember that, but if you veer off course, you can get back on course. Um, so I got back on course for me of, of what, how, where I wanted to go when I joined Marriott then in early 2018. And I think the biggest piece of advice that I could offer your listeners there is sometimes finding the right thing takes longer than you think. I think in business school, you're on a timeline of applications and you're obviously choosing a start date. But for me, leaving business school and finding a place of where I was looking for my next opportunity, the right one takes a while. I think I asked you this, Alan, I'm curious if you thought it was mind blowing to me how long it took for me to land the right thing. But when I did so worth the wait. So how do you feel about that? Like just in terms of the general piece of advice, like it takes a long time, longer Mm -hmm. than I expected to find the next opportunity. Yeah, I think so. A couple things. I think number one, I don't know if there is a I would argue there isn't a quote unquote long time. There is only the yeah. time that it takes for you as Love just that, like yeah. a overarching like theme. But I do think what it speaks to is that I think we all have a desire to want to do something that is aligned to either our goals, things that we are engaged in or around people that we want to work with each and every day. And I think that we're naturally wired to experience we, uh, again, going back to this, we tend to do things. And so when it doesn't align perfectly, the natural disposition is to think that we did something wrong. When I think if anything I've learned in life is that it, 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 like X doesn't, it doesn't always equal, it's not always like X and then Y, right? There's some nuance that kind of goes in there, but I, I think I would argue probably how you learn that was because of the fact that you went through that yourself in terms of uh, the next step after PwC, it wasn't objectively at the the time the right step for you, but then you found it on the next go around, it sounds like. And and so it it was good. And that's, and I think that's also part of it, right? It's, it's, it's not, it, it, it's, it worked. If it's not the right thing, like then you move on and then you find something and then it is, it's not the right thing until it it is. And that's like a simple, like, saying in and of itself. But I think 
the other thing is that, and again, this goes back to a little bit of imposter syndrome, but more speaks to just the comparison game. Cause you, you naturally are going to look at your classmate who did find the right thing. And then you're going to think, oh, because I don't have it and they do, then I did something wrong. When in reality, that's not necessarily the case. And so I think that part of it also is something that, that kind of creeps in. Um, yeah. So I totally so agree. You, I think I, I shouldn't have said that I agree with you. It's not a long time. It's more about just not getting discouraged and, and just constantly striving for the next chapter and, and the acknowledgement that everything needs to unfold in a certain manner. It does, one thing does lead to the next, even if I can't see it in the moment. So I, I definitely agree with everything you shared. But it's hard. I will say it is hard. And we, we, I think we said this earlier. It is hard in the moment, in the trenches mm -hmm. to be able to keep necessarily keep going and keep believing. It's not we make we say do it. But and I know it's not easy because I've, I've been in those moments and it is hard. But I do think and then bringing this back to the NBA, I, I think that's when you do have to lean on what the NBA gave you and the work that you did in business school, both from a content and knowledge perspective, but from also a relationships and resourcefulness and skill building perspective to have the ability to navigate through those really challenging moments. And I think that to me can be where the real power of the NBA really comes in is that when it's going good, everyone's it's fine. Everyone can handle that. But when it gets tough, that's really, I think, not only do you learn about your character and what you're made of, but you also learn about what tools you have at your disposal to be able to work through a really challenging time. And I, and that's when you certainly lean on your classmates and lean on the alumni network or lean on whatever it is you learned from the career development work that you did in school. And, and I think that's what, uh, that's what can help. Mm -hmm. Yes. I think back to how many you know, just conversations I was able to have over the course of each of the transition periods following my MBA and just how lucky I am to have had the sounding board within you and among others to, to work through some of that stuff. I think there's some element to, uh, without that, it, I, a, a funny thing came to mind of like those things you where know, people do Instagram versus reality and like they look different. I think sometimes we see it, it, a job change on LinkedIn and think it might've been so easy or you compare yourself sure. to the other person, but having the network um, of classmates through the MBA experience allows you to get under the hood and talk about in the same way that you're bringing this out to the public, but what was that transition? It's a continued opportunity to learn from each other's experiences. And I've definitely, and I definitely still do that. I just was doing it recently. So the MBA is truly valuable and like taking stock in my strengths and the experiences, but also the continued op opportunities to connect and refine my thinking on how to approach the next chapter. Yeah. So that's a good segue. Let's talk about that because you certainly have had, as you mentioned, you've had to really think about changing things and navigating through change again. And this time, as we all were impacted by you know, COVID-19, but it certainly had some impacts on you. Can you talk a little about that experience and how you were able to navigate through that? Sure. Yeah. So COVID-19 was really um, interesting. Obviously for all of us, we were all impacted in different ways, but particularly working in hospitality. I was about a year into my position at Marriott when obviously the hospitality was quite you know, devastated by coronavirus, our business in general. So I ended up going on a six month furlough then to learn that my position was eliminated, but I had the opportunity to be rehired back into a new, a slightly similar role, which I definitely took advantage of. So it certainly was, as I mentioned, the listeners probably heard me say earlier that I was, this was the dream job. I thought I had landed my dream job just a year ago. And then to watch it crumble so quickly was terrifying. And I think it was a true opportunity to practice resilience. And I did not do that every day, but I tried. And I know that you were a huge sounding board for me just about how to think about what this could look like. And I was 
grateful to return to Marriott in, let's see, in late 2020. But ironically enough, I'm you know happy to share that through trying to be resilient and look for new opportunities, it actually presented a new opportunity for me to join um, the technology industry in just a few short weeks here. So I recently resigned from Marriott and I'm about to start a new chapter with Facebook. And it just goes to show that like in the moment, things were super hard and I really thought I lost my dream job, but another door opened, but I had no idea that was going to happen. So I think for me, COVID-19 definitely impacted me in the moment moment, but above all, it taught me resilience. And I hope when I'm down in the dumps of the future, I'll know to to reflect back on this experience. And I'm excited to, to enter a new industry now. And it was by choice. I didn't have to leave, but a new opportunity presented itself. So I'm really excited about what's to come. And in this instance, arguably, you had to do something in the sense that, number one, you were impacted by COVID, but number two, you were furloughed, and so you had time to do things. But similarly to before, where we talked about maybe those challenging moments when it was hard to push through, but in this one, you were able to push through. And so I'm just curious, how were you able to navigate this challenging moment this time, maybe perhaps in new ways or in a different way? that maybe was you weren't able to necessarily as well in the past. Yeah, so I think it's so interesting how so many of these things link together. But again, it was all about, again, self-reflection, self-reflection. Okay, if it's not going to be this opportunity and, and being realistic about that, that a career in hospitality may not be the best thing going into 2021, what is another opportunity? And I think one of the things that I learned was not casting a huge net, but really being more thoughtful after I had done that self-reflection about the opportunities that I could go after. And again, that kind of also Ted comes back to like taking stock in your confidence. I didn't need to, to apply for everything under the sun, but really being strategic about what I did go after. So that was a big lesson learned was being thoughtful about what I applied to next. And I think that comes down to just like also reflecting on how I define success in my career. I had to think yeah. about like, it's not a career with Marriott. What does success look like um, ahead and using that to guide the opportunities that I applied for? Yeah. And actually, just as a follow up to that, what do you what do you define as, as success in your career now? Yeah, so I think it would probably be about, I look to be able to, to, to join an opportunity or, it, and it doesn't have to be a new job, but within a new team, a new experience where I bring something to the table and I'm bringing my capabilities and I'm bringing the talent and experience that I have. But then there's, because I want to feel that I'm, I'm, it's at the right level, but I also want to feel that I can grow and learn. So I think for me, it's like about two sides of the coin. Is this the right opportunity where I can bring something and I can leave an impact? But is this also the right opportunity because there's more for me to raise the bar in the direction that I want to go in. And similar to your point earlier, is it going to get me to that next thing? Is this going to continue to help me develop as a professional? And that's critical to that whole self-reflection about and knowing where you want to go to be able to look at that opportunity and say, can I, does it allow me to capitalize on who I am? And does it allow me to continue to grow and develop? So I think I learned that it's not about like team size or title but it's about those two things. And for me, that's been critically important to just selecting the right opportunity for me. I'd love to hear what how you define what yeah. love to hear what you think about that and, and how you're looking at success right now in your career. Yeah, no, I think so. A couple things for me. I think so. Number one, I think for what's always been true for me, and it goes back to my own just belief system and, and the Jesuit education. Fundamentally, the Jesuits always do, which is ingrained in a lot of my thinking, is just this idea of 
figuring out what your talent and superpowers are and using them in ways to drive impact for others. And I think that's always been something that I have been focused on, whether I realize it or not, but it's more crystallized more and more over the past few years as I've figured out more and more ways in which I can go and do that. And so I think that part of me has always been a measure of success in terms of how am I using my talents every day in a way that drives impact that's bigger than myself. I think one of the other things that I think about is that as I think about more about my talents and superpowers, I tend to have an ability to be able to bring out the best in others and to empower others to actually do the same for other people. So to uh, the, a big component of that is being able to motivate and inspire and then and to motivate others to be their best and then to inspire them to 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 do that for other people. And so those to me are really the barometers in which I measure myself and and think about how successful I am and the ways in which I do that happen through my day job. It happens through this, it happened or when I say this uh, through podcasting or anything else that I do, but those are the ways in which I look at success. And I think is, you know, when I, I feel better when I can measure that. And then I can see when I'm doing that or doing more of that versus when I'm doing less of it, but also when I'm not doing it, it's what keeps me on track and spurs the questions of what else can I be doing or how could I be doing different this differently? But that's how I look at it. And, and then the reason why I, I've, I've found that to be helpful to me is because to the point that you made, I'm not going to be CEO anytime soon of the company that I work at. <laughs> like I'm just not, and I, and I, nor do I want to. I mean, so titles are great. More money is better than less money, but it, I don't know. Like it's for me, at least that's not something those extrinsic measures are not the end all be all. And what that's allowed me to do and what's freeing about it, at least for me is that it opens your aperture and it opens the amount of opportunities that you can pursue when you're not just thinking about titles and, and boxes on an org chart. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I completely agree. And it, it's so funny. I don't mean to him or one point home, but in what, in your response to, it was so tied to who you are as a person and knowing that. And I just yeah. don't know why I underestimated that for so long. I almost give the same advice to people, which I, I talked about this with my family the other day, like why don't, when we go into undergrad and we have to choose a major, we don't put more emphasis on self-reflection to, to drive our career and to drive that major selection and what we do after undergrad too. Cause I do see a lot of parallels um, between the two and what success looks like in our lives. No, I totally agree. And I think, I, I agree. I think there should be more. I, as someone who went to a school where they did really hammer that home, I mm. first, you know, personally saw the benefits, not only just for myself, but for my classmates and my friends. And so I certainly encourage it. That said, I also very much acknowledge, particularly at that stage in your life, you don't know what you don't right. know. Right. Yes. Well said too. Yes. I completely agree. That said, that doesn't, that shouldn't preclude you from, yeah. from wanting to do it. It just may not necessarily always, like, I think there's, I agree. Like, I think there should be, I, I would love to see more of it myself. I yeah. I think that's a really great point though. There's always, it's so easy in hindsight to come back with solutions. That is, mm -hmm. it's, it's so right on about what, you know, about that, that stage of life as well. And that's why it's, that's why it's good things that we have multiple chapters. Yeah, that's, that, yeah, you're absolutely right. <laughs> you're absolutely right. Carrie, thank you so much for being here today and for this engaging conversation. I, I love it. I guess maybe just to close out here. Uh, so by the time this was really is released, uh, a lot of MBA students will be graduating and, and transitioning into this kind of life after business school life after the MBA phase. And so what advice do you have for people who are going to be graduating from business school about 
life after business school? I'd say life after business school, you're not going to be able to plan out everything. It might not be as you expected. There'll be twists and turns, but your resilience in light of those twists and turns will drive you to your next opportunity. It's hard to remember that in the moment, but that's why we all are here to remind each other of that. And thank you to Al for reminding me of that and and re-listen to this podcast when you might doubt that as well. So I'd say it won't unfold. It may, it likely will not unfold exactly as you as planned, but your resilience and new opportunities will make sense after the fact. And thank you so much for having me. I really do always enjoy our conversations and it's just great to, to talk with you further today. Hi everyone, LD here. And thank you so much for listening to the MBA Insider Podcast. If you liked what you heard, make sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and to write a review. It will only take 15 seconds. I'd also love to hear what you've been listening to on the podcast and any suggestions you have for how we can improve. Find me on LinkedIn or head over to mbaschooled.com backslash podcast.